It's the JT and Looney Podcast. Episode 77. How did Tiger not get a ticket going 87 in a 45? You and I would have got a ticket. He won't be at the Masters. And he should be. Had he been going 45. And looking at the road and maybe not texting. I don't know if he took an extra pill the night before. Hello. Hello. Uh, hello. Yes, I'm calling for a hello. Hi, hello. All right, this is Andy from Modernize on a recorded line. And you're looking, are you well, looking, did, um, did you say you're looking for hello? Yes, I'm looking for hello. 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 Am I speaking with hello, Aspect? Hello. Yes, hello, this is hello. Hello. People calls me. People call me hello a lot because they say I. They say I say hello too much. That's why my nickname is hello. 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 Well, no, because you know why I've been betting too much at uh, Bet Online. The, you know, the Masters is here, and Bet Online has you covered for all the news scores and odds. It's the best place to place bets, and it's free to sign up. All you have to do is go to betonline.ag, and you get 50% off a welcome bonus on your first deposit. Have you ever been to Bet Online? Hello. Hello. Okay. Oh, yeah, it's Bet, Bet Online, your online sports book expert. You're interrupting us. It's our podcast. It's our podcast. Hello. So you got your second shot. How do you feel? Just feel like no COVID symptoms, just exhausted, just exhausted. Okay. The second day and then got through it and didn't take a day off. So please give me a juice box and a medal for both radio shows. And now I'm now I'm double dosed and we'll see six months from now if they want me to wait in a line again. That's the dirty little secret. No one's telling everybody that we're going to have to get dosed all the time going forward, which might be the case. Uh, yeah, this is uh, this is what really threw me off this week when I go to the Drudge Report, which is you, which will make you think the world is ending anytime you go to the Drudge Report, right. but I am a breaking A news. lot of information on that website. Yeah, yes, and I've always been a big fan because he's independent. I know he skews right, or else he used to, and uh, Miami Beach will do that to you. will bring you more to the center. <laughs> but uh, he moved from Hollywood Boulevard to uh, Miami Beach one year, he made $10 million and it was the year he had a radio show out and a book out and he had a Fox news TV show. And he immediately moved from his digs at Hollywood Boulevard. His accountant said, get to a state that doesn't have state taxes and the savings alone there. You'll be able to retire on. So he immediately moved to a condo in Miami beach in a high rise and he's been there ever since, but he never stopped doing his one man show. I think he has got one employee that uh, that knows how to you know do it like him. And so I always thought that was cool. I used to know him back in the day when we were both bloggers before there was the word blog and have still have his phone number. And so I've always been a, a fan of anybody who you know, he worked at 7-Eleven and at CBS Television Center, where they, you know, mm -hmm. where they taped the prices right. And he had those two jobs when he was building 
the Drudge Report. So I'm always a big fan of somebody who goes from 7-Eleven to making $10 million within a, within a few months. It's incredible. That's why, you know, that's why we're in the podcast space. Yes. We're looking for a beach buyout, as we've always talked about it. But yes. on a serious note, no matter how long you've been listening to the podcast, the early parts of this podcast throughout COVID, we would open up the podcast talking about the number of people who died. And we would do that every podcast. We would open it up and say, you know, the numbers at 60,000, it's at 90,000, it's at 200,000. And we would keep going. And I went through a stage where I was infuriated because of sports media and regular media who mocked, who mocked death and mocked right. and never took it seriously. And again, I thought, I thought it was a fireable offense. You know, we, we, we work in radio or if someone says ass or fuck or does something stupid, they're supposed to get fired. Right. right in radio. That's the whole thing. Everybody's supposed to get fired. No one got fired in radio for guessing wrong and doubling down about COVID death. They mocked it and they made fun of it. And I sat there and I was so bothered by it. And every time we open up the podcast, I insisted that we put the numbers up and talked about it. Now I got my double dose and I'm done. And there's a fourth wave and they shut down Paris and there's a wave in Michigan and in Pennsylvania. And the numbers are up in New York and Florida. Obviously, Jimmy Kimmel was laughing about it last night, talking about, oh, wow, I'm shocked it's up in Florida. It's everybody's doing shots and rubbing up against one another. But I never took this lightly. I always guessed right that it was right. going to be far worse than what some people predicted. A president lost an election because of this. Yep. I'll stay with that. I'm going to stay with that for the rest of my life. Uh -huh. A president lost an election because he got this wrong and mocked it and thought it wasn't going to be a big deal. Didn't help him. And now I don't know. I think I hope I'm much safer with my Madeira double dose. But there's another wave coming that I'm taking very seriously. Yeah. So many people said fuck 2020 for the wrong reasons. They were saying it because they couldn't go to a bar or because they lost their job. Those aren't two reasons to be stressed the reason why somebody should be stressed is because people are dying not enough people said fuck 2020 because of all the people that died and you and i had to take it seriously it seems to me there are certain people in this country that don't know any old people <laughs> did you not know no matter what your politics is don't you know any old people what a bunch of assholes i mean think about that because what they did was the people who who mocked COVID and didn't take it seriously and still don't and they still get away with this and they're still employed by scumbags who don't see this is that there were plenty of people who died with no prior conditions. There were plenty oh. of guys, 55 years old with a wife and two kids that had a double lung transplant. It wasn't millions of people and hundreds of thousands, but there were plenty of people without prior conditions who got COVID and died on a ventilator. And one of my, my friends, friends my friend's 35 year old friend. I'm out with a friend yeah. of mine last night, Don Cuco in Burbank, great Mexican restaurant that I love. My friend Stanley Chang was 32. He uh, he was talking about how sad he was. I was talking about the 2020 analogy and he said, he said, my fraternity brother died. I said, how old was he? 35, 35. Yeah, because yeah, again, as we were also when I said, didn't anybody know any old people? It wasn't always old people. Well, the people, from COVID. Yeah. And the people who had prior conditions, those were who were overweight, had a heart issue. Right. Yeah. Yeah. His friend so was we, overweight. So we yeah, think yeah. it's OK. Almost. They, they always these these assholes who double down and say it's not a big deal. It's just a flu. And then you think of the 60 year old mom, Latino mom, grandma with with two grandkids 
and she was obese or overweight and she died and we just put her in a category. We throw her in a category a ca- well, she yes. died because she had a prior condition. So with all of this happening, we're all lucky to be alive. We're all lucky to be here. For those who say it's not that big of a deal and it's just another flu, they look they look so bad. History, history will never forget those people. But, you know, getting back to the positives of this, I got my doses at the US UNLV uh, campus at the Student Union. And UNLV has a medical school. And I'll tell you, I went there twice. And you had to get on a line the first time, single dose or your second dose. Then I went back for the second dose this Monday. And the line was around the school, almost wow. around the campus. And it was at 930, and I got to do radio at noon. And I said, I cannot, I cannot miss this shot. It's my priority. That line went in 20 minutes. Oh, I'm, wow. I'm exaggerating. It Great. was like a line that you almost had to run in place and keep up with everybody was nice showed your id got in got the second dose and thanked people on the way out and i couldn't believe how efficient it was and that was really great news how efficient it was because now that the president is lowered now the age and everybody can get their first dose if they're 21 or 30 years old that adds to the volume of the line and i thought it was really efficient bravo to unlv for getting me my two doses and bravo to trader joe's same thing i get so upset because they have a line at trader joe's you know to make sure we're all safe inside but it does go along pretty quickly and you and i both I think we're both sultans in another life. We don't like lines. <laughs> we don't like standing in line. I, I will I will pay more at a store that doesn't have a line. Uh, I will or I'll pay more at a store where I don't have to eat that, that has more cashiers, uh, just so I don't have to stand in line. I was when I was mentioning the Drudge Report on a call back there. The thing that surprised me when I clicked it up the other day, I forgot where I was going there because I started talking about you know name dropping about Drudge. Uh, when I clicked it over and it t- said Moderna may last eight months, I said, I wanted it to last the rest of my life. What do you mean it lasts eight months? Because I got my first one the other day at Rite Aid, and I thought I was in the wrong place because of all the frightening. You know, I work in the news business. We have to lead with mutant virus stories because it sounds scary before we get to any good news about uh, California being the lowest positivity rate in the country. we got to talk about the new mutant virus that's been discovered in Modesto. But uh, I do. I, I, I Also on the news, we see the long lines of people in cars at Dodger Stadium to get a shot. And I went to Rite Aid and there was nobody there. And I thought, am I in the wrong place? Oh, no. And what I'm getting concerned about now is people aren't getting tested. They showed an overhead drone shot of Allegiant Stadium here in Vegas where they're not doing doses. They're doing testing. Right. Testing, which they've been doing. And there's no one there. Well, there was a small amount of people there because I think what's going to happen here. And I think it's easy for all all of us to see before we get off this topic is is that people are going to get looser. They're going to get more lax. They're going to say, hey, I got my doses. I'm safe. I'm perfect. I'm good. And that isn't the case. I believe you yeah. still wear a mask. Other people who don't believe that, I'm fine with it. We don't have to agree. We can agree to disagree. But there's still going to be a wave of young people that haven't been vaccinated that are going to get it. And we're seeing that now. That was the Yeah. And matter of fact, there was an argument that I think I made on this show, on, the, on this podcast, that that we should uh, even though they don't deserve it everyone deserves life i shouldn't say that but younger people who are ignoring all this uh in miami beach they shouldn't have come out with fire hoses they should have come out with vaccines and just started vaccinating young people because when you talked about the latin 62 year old latina grandmother who died because she lived in the same home 
with young kids who weren't being careful. Um, you know, if, if they those kids had been vaccinated who weren't being careful, they may not have killed their grandmother. And that happened all over the country where people um, accidentally sweet people who were listening to the wrong people or weren't paying attention at all or think it didn't affect them because they're young, forgetting about others, ended up killing their grandparents. And uh, so many people said, fuck 2020 and said it for the wrong reasons. Did you say it because you lost your job or because you couldn't go to a bar? I bookend with this. Or did you say it because people died? A lot of people who said fuck 2020 and had good reason. Uh, however, uh, if you were upset that your bar was closed or you lost your job uh, and you drank yourself to sleep because of it, I'm reading a lot of articles about that. I try another way of falling asleep that's a little bit healthier. Sunday scaries. You know, there's CBD gummies that help you get to sleep. It's really cool. If you stick with Sunday scaries, then you don't wake up with a hangover in the morning. They're, Sunday scaries are CBD gummies, and they help you decompress. They clear your head. You can fall asleep and actually wake up with a like a fully functioning human being. When you drink a lot of beer, you don't wake up like a fully functioning human being. But you do when you try the CBD gummies, Sunday Scaries. It's no risk to buy. The company offers a 100% lifetime money-back guarantee. If the product doesn't work for you, that's okay. You get your money back. Sunday Scaries is in the stress-relieving business, not the stress-causing business. And we'll give you 25% off to prove it. Visit sundayscaries.com. Use my promo code LOONEY for your discount. L-O-O-N-E-Y. That's the promo code Looney, and get 25% off at sundayscaries.com. They're effing amazing. One of the most fascinating sports stories, fascinating, that I've seen, I won't say in my entire life, but in a long time, was how and why Gonzaga got beat. Yeah. This is incredible. This is incredible because this was this has a lot of meat on the bone because I was on live the night they lost. I thought they were going to win. They played UCLA. And oh, could back. you please, before you start this story, explain why you've always had a little same thing with the San Antonio Spurs. But I knew that with your relationship with San Antonio, you've always had a little place in your heart for friggin Gonzaga. I've known you. <laughs> why, 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 why? I went, to, I went to a sweet 16 years ago in Phoenix with our old boss and mentor, Andrew Ashwood. Okay. And my fraternity brother, Joe Hickey, and we sat in the Gonzaga section. And this is when they were going to one of their first Sweet 16s. No okay. one heard of them. And it was probably 20 years ago or 18 years ago. And it was life-changing. The nicest fans, like the Green Bay Packer fan. Okay. We had so the nicest people you ever Nostalgia. Met. Okay, I love that. That's love that story. So we got into that. But they, they all turned on me. They all turned on me <laughs> Monday night because of what happened. So they go into that game on Saturday. Saturday, April 3rd, was my wife's birthday. So my wife, we had a birthday party for her downtown at Circa, the new big casino in town at Chef Barry's restaurant, Barry's Downtown Prime. And Barry used to be the, the chef over at Nine Steakhouse, which I used to take you yeah, to. Yeah, you've Barry, introduced me to him. Barry would take you in the kitchen, and Barry's a legend yep. in town. So anyway, I set up my wife's birthday party, and I tried to surprise her. Tried to surprise <laughs> her, but I couldn't do a full surprise. So I invited two, uh, another couple, so there's four of us, but I had two other couples waiting in the restaurant at the table. So we check in to the front and the gal who checks us in goes, oh, your party's already at the table. 
your party's got well, here. There's the always room. somebody at the and front. My, my wife looks at me and she starts laughing and she's like, okay, this should be fun. So we turn <laughs> the corner and we have this unbelievable dinner. So I have my phone in my pocket. I'm not looking at it. It's Gonzaga UCLA. I'm doing a bit on my Sirius XM show with a caller in Ocean in uh, Orange County, Mike in the OC, that if he wins, UCLA wins, I'll fly he and his wife out to Vegas and put him up in my condo at the bombs for one night and all expenses on me. So that was a running joke for a while. Right. Then I look up at the TV and they're going to overtime. I go, holy shit. UCLA is going to win this game. Then Gonzaga wins on that half court. Steph Curry buzzer beater. By Unbelievable. Uh, what a no great rest- game. So everybody's at the bar at the restaurant. The wives stayed there, had dessert and coffee. The guys are at the bar. The shot goes in. Me and Chef Barry are hugging, watching this. And then I go back on the radio Monday night and they get destroyed by Baylor. I mean, they're down nine, nothing. They're down 16 to three games over right when it started. And I went on the air afterwards and I explained to everybody they lost because they had no legs from the UCLA game and they played in the WCC, Tom. Yes. They yeah. played in the West Coast <laughs> yes, Conference. Yes. And once I went through their schedule, which I'll go through with you momentarily, you'll understand and you'll be shocked that this team doesn't play in the Pac-12 or they don't play in the Mountain West. And by playing in the WCC, they've never worked in a game like that. They had no idea what it was like to be in a game like that. Yep. React to a game. It's like what that. I warned you about. The same reason Butterbean never fought Lennox Lewis. JT, <laughs> it's because he was fighting tomato cans, entertaining us before the Lennox Lewis fight back in the day. And that's that can really catch up to you, especially if you don't have a fully developed brain and kids who are young guys who are 18, 19, 20, 21 don't. And this is what's the most fascinating. You got to follow me on this because this is going to stay with me forever. And it should stay with all sports fans and sports fans think about non-conference schedule. Gonzaga comes into the season top, top school. No problem with that. They deserve it. In the pre in the regular season non-conference, they played a pretty good schedule. They beat Kansas, Auburn, and West Virginia. I mean, those are you can't schedule harder right. than that. Then their Baylor game got canceled. So they had Baylor in the regular season. Everybody forgets it. The game was canceled due to COVID. So the season starts up and they even beat number three Iowa. So they beat number three Iowa. They're four and oh, and then they go into this schedule. They go into a schedule after beating Virginia on December 28th, and I'll do this quick because I practiced it a lot. This is unbelievable. Starting on December 28th, Gonzaga played and beat Northern Arizona, Dixie State, San Francisco, BYU, Portland, Pepperdine, St. Mary's, Pacific, San Diego, Pepperdine, Pacific, BYU, San Francisco, St. Mary's, San Diego, Santa Clara, Loyola Marymount, St. Mary's, BYU. So from December 28th to March 8th in their conference tournament, before they played BYU and were losing and came back, they played, I believe, the easiest schedule ever in the history of the sport. Well, they, It was yeah. such a cupcake. Dick Vitale calls it Cupcake City. They played guys who had names like Mary and Dixie on their uniform. <laughs> You nailed it. You nailed it. You're the comedian of the podcast. What happened here was they played guys in this West Coast conference who were who were players and good players, D1 players, of course, coaches, 
but they were more D3 players. You nailed it. They weren't playing Oklahoma and North Carolina in conference. Bobby Knight. See, we compared what here's, here's the crux of the story. The reason why Gonzaga got so much hype heading into the tournament was only one reason. They were undefeated. Okay, so yeah. here. Well, yeah, lost, because you'd have lost. to go back to the 70s, and that was very exciting. Bobby, yeah. Knight. Bobby Knight in 76. So if Gonzaga would have lost one game, one, they would have been a one seed, and they would have got hype, but they wouldn't have got the undefeated first time since Bobby Knight. And what people forgot is as I went through their entire schedule, they won 17 games of their 28 that didn't count. They right. were against Division three players and lesser coaches because in the WCC, you don't have Jim Behan. You don't have Coach K. You right. don't have those coaches. So they had an unfair advantage because they played weaker competition, kind of like my dad's theory of the Patriots during their dynasty. They were playing the AFC East, so they automatically got a one seed. They automatically got a bye week. They automatically got a home bye week, and they only had to win one game before they got to the. And sometimes they'd get punched in the mouth by teams like Mark Sanchez and the Jets, or Trent Dilfer and the, and the Ravens, or people like that, because all, all of a sudden they couldn't handle it. Every, you know, they, there was a lot of times they didn't get to the Super Bowl in that in that dynasty of twenty years because they got punched in the mouth by sometimes inferior AFC teams because they weren't used to playing tough teams like that. Congratulations to Gonzaga. A great team. A great team. But what fascinated me about the story is and how a history book closes and you can't reopen it again. It closes on a chapter and you can't open it. They could have been the greatest team of all time in the conversation and it wouldn't have been debatable if they went undefeated and beat Baylor and UCLA. Yeah, people love undefeated. Yeah, you could, you could never go back in time and say, well, they JT said they played in the WCC. No, I would have been muted. My argument would not have had any merit, but because they lost one game badly, the whole debate, the can of worms opens up, and now we can question everything. People love undefeated. It's why people will stick with Michael Jordan being the best because 6-0. and yeah. Uh, in the finals, even though that means all those other years he was in the NBA, his teams didn't make it to the finals, but that doesn't count. It's that, oh, that people have. You've always been kind of obsessed, even if somebody has uh, an inferior inferior opponents like Floyd Mayweather. You've always been obsessed with the, the undefeated fighter or the undefeated team. Yeah, I couldn't believe that Marvin Hagler lost or Muhammad Ali lost. Yeah, I know. You, you look at it and you go, how did they lose? Because they fought at the highest level. And at times they would get beat. Even if oh they yeah, had- there's lots of ways to lose when you uh, <laughs> when you're fighting, and uh, it's called getting punched in the chin when you're uh, when you get older. Ernest Hemingway is changing my life. Yes, tell me about this because, by the way, Ernest Hemingway is changing my six words I never thought would come out of your mouth in your big library full of books that you haven't read. The documentary <laughs> from Ken Burns, the Ken Burns documentary on PBS, Hemingway is so bleep and brilliant okay three parts i've watched part three last night and i've never seen i knew about hemingway but i didn't know about his life in detail i've never and i mean this i've never seen a human being ever we could talk about our faith jesus christ what you believe moses i've never seen a human being who walked the earth who had more of a unique life than him Injured in World War One, as a foreign correspondent, grabbed the machine gun and fought in World War Two, had four wives, 
almost drank himself to death, would travel the whole world to Africa, big game hunting, killing elephants and rhinoceroses running at him, deep sea fishing, caught the biggest fish of all time, and then would have writer's block, would go back into, we talked to Alan Eisenstock about this, the great writer. Ernest Hemingway would go back in and write some of the most fascinating books of all time from Who the Bell Tolls, The Old Man in the Sea, A Farewell to Arms, The Sun Also Rises. But his life as a train wreck, as a husband, as a father, as a unique individual who treated people poorly, but was fascinating to other people. I've never seen a man like this ever. It's it's it, it's must watch television. And one of the great things you learn by reading any Hemingway is his economic. You know, so many people think that you have to be loquacious and wordy and write in brilliant prose. He has a real economic style of writing. You know, if I could make the Larry King analogy, and I'll probably get hit by lightning by a lot of heavyweight fans, but what I mean by that is the economic style of the way he used words rather than writing in in long prose to show you what a great writer it was or vocabulary he had. He would use an economic style that was just brilliant. Larry King would get a general on during the Gulf War and say, what happened today? Three words. He didn't need to tell you what he knew. He didn't need to tell you how bright he was. What happened today? And Hemingway has a great way of make, uh, writing in short sentences, which is, I th- which is what I really think is, is part of what makes his reading so easy and wonderful. He died at 61. It felt like he lived to 161. Yeah. And what got me the most in the documentary was about his personal life and time. Because with him, when he wanted to go, when he left Cuba, he decided to live on a hilltop in Havana, right? Right. Or lived in Key West, very remote Key West, right? But then he would say, I want to go cover the war in Spain, right? Or he would want to go back to Paris. He was on a boat on D-Day outside the waves in Normandy. He couldn't get off the boat where everybody was getting killed in front of him, but he was there at D-Day. And I just thought about time because there were so many days in Ernest, there was only so many days in Ernest Hemingway's life. He only lived to 61. And it felt like he spent thousands of hours at Sloppy Joe's, the bar in Key West. Right. Thousands of hours in bars in Paris, cafes, right? And dinners and dinner parties. And then he's in a trench in a war or he's in a room for 16 hours writing, or he leaves his sons for five months, not five weeks, not five days. I mean, leaves them. But I think the most fascinating thing, Tom, and I'll let everybody get to the documentary is he's the only guy that I've ever seen famous person all time that would bring his wife into a room where he was about to meet his girlfriend. He knew he was going to marry that girl literally in the moment. And the wife knew. He was falling in love with the girl. And the whole documentary is about that. Is that, hey, uh, I'm done with you. You're done with me. We're fighting and drinking. I'm going to go away with her for four months to London and do this. And you're going, who the hell has ever done this? Oh, I know. In any light. Like, if well, this was TMZ and Entertainment Tonight, he'd be the most fascinating person ever. Well, that was the European effect on him, JT. When oh, he says, who does time. this? People in Europe who yeah, introduce, whose, whose girlfriends and wives sit in the same pew 
and get along at the funeral. I remember learning about this when we were younger. Francois Mitterrand, the uh, prime minister of France, died, and his wife and mistress sat in the front row at church with their black veils with the children because his wife and his mistress were great friends. And that's, yeah, that's a very European thing. Honey, meet my girlfriend. And that's something that Americans can't relate to. I have a friend who you love who was, uh, he's, he's shopping a screenplay in a book called Son of Bozo. It's Jeff Harmon, he's the son of Larry Harmon, the original Bozo the Clown. So he grew up with means in Bel Air, but he always had to try to, you know, when your son of Bozo isn't fun when you're a kid. It's fun because, you, you, you know, your fifth grade class gets to go watch the taping of a show, but there's, a, there's an embarrassing side to that when you're being sensitive and a kid. So he had to be the opposite. And he would uh, he was a war correspondent for Playboy and mm. Penthouse. And he, and, he, and he would cover the wars like in El, when we were kids, we were much younger in El Salvador and the war in Afghanistan, the original war in Afghanistan back in the day with the Soviet Union. He covered uh, volcanoes in Iceland that were happening when we were children. Uh, he he just had these. This, he knew how to. He knows how to speak Arabic and Spanish. He uh, he's he would cover. Uh, he, he did a whole uh, years worth of stories on zombies in Haiti and lived with people who were with zombies in Haiti, etc. And so he's led a fascinating, gay but a tough guy, just a fascinating life, and. I'm thinking he can't get that. He can't get that the screenplay because it's very, you, when you talk about Hemingway, it reminded me of him. How many people know a Hemingway style character? I do. And we became fast friends because I let him smoke in my restaurant, you know, because there was no smoking laws, but I didn't care. <laughs> and you know how smokers and he was a cigar smoker. You know, how cigar smokers get excited if you let them smoke their cigars. So that's originally how we became friends. And people who live their life like that and live their life, refuse to live their life in one place. I've always thought that, God, I'm spending too much time in one place in this short life. And you and I have been in a lot of places, but we always are. We have both have short attention spans. I always think not enough places. And earning Ernest Hemingway will make you feel as though you have not lived enough and you haven't lived in enough places. And I've got it on my DVR, thanks to you. There's several cool pictures of Hemingway online wearing sunglasses. And it reminds me that it's time to make your outdoor experiences better with Kenan. Kenan sunglasses are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. They're made with Japanese optics. And it makes and they're amazing with their optics, from what I hear. Uh, clearer, lighter stronger lenses, Italian handcrafted frames, impossible to scratch. It's spelled K-A-E-N-O-N. So go to KeenanCast.com, use the promo code KeenanCast15 and get 15% off your first pair. That's K-A-E-N-O-N, Cast15. Keenan, clearly better. Well, you're a creator. I'm just a long haul sports radio trucker at night looking for phone calls in the distance, in the little, in the middle of the night, trying to find a rest stop with one caller. We'll get to that in a ah. podcast, but yeah, Hemingway makes you feel, it makes you really think about what you drink. 
a, a human being could not drink this much. It wow. makes you think about marriage and being a parent or travel, as you said, brilliantly and creating. You're a creator more than I am. What he had to do to create these masterpieces on top of what he was doing in his life, it didn't interrupt his life. That's my story. In order for him to write the story and have the backdrop of Mount Kilimanjaro oh. in Africa, he went to Africa. In order for him to write about bullfighting, which he was the expert around the world in writing about bullfighting, he sat on the rail and discovered right. bullfighting and told everybody about that around the world. And then the war, the war correspondence material was fantastic. One thing on Ken Burns, he's such a brilliant filmmaker. Every documentary I've seen, like I don't love oh. every Scorsese film. I don't uh -huh. love every single film that, I, that I've seen from Quentin Tarantino. Ken Burns, the Civil War baseball, the National Parks, the Roosevelt's. Lincoln, Roosevelt. The oh, Vietnam War, country music. So you're going to love Country music was great. So I'm watching part three, and there's no commercials on PBS. Yes. Right? And then underneath it. I'm Unless they're fundraising. I'm watching. Yeah. Great point. <laughs> underneath, uh, uh, other, underneath the documentary on the screen, it said, coming up a preview of Ken Burns' next documentary. And I said, oh, my God, what is this going to be? Muhammad Ali. Oh, wow. And as oh it wrapped up, as it wrapped up, they did two and a half, three minutes of a oh. coming out in September. Oh. Ken Burns, Muhammad Ali, which is oh the God. best stuff we've never seen. The best stuff that you've never seen. The authors who wrote about him. And I can't wait for that. Maybe that'll be his best. I uh, There's a great book called A View from the Corner by Dr. Verdi, um, Verdi Pacheco, uh, who never took a penny from Muhammad Ali. So it was a great objective tome about him. He's a, he's a doctor. He's a pediatrician from Miami who was Muhammad Ali's uh, fight doctor all those years and an, an artist and painter and, and a pediatrician and god it was a great book about muhammad ali and i and i i think i always think uh, that there's nothing i don't know about muhammad ali ken burns is a guy who gets into you know who really gets into the weeds and will remind me that there's a lot i don't know if i know ken burns like i know ken burns and that is i thought i knew a lot about country music but ken burns the, the country music uh PBS special that he did was amazing in the film. I uh, I'm I'm really think uh, I'd like to apologize to two big fans of the show, Quentin Tarantino and Martin Scorsese. I've loved every one of their films. Why did you pick those two examples? Those two I know, but, at the top of my mind. Yeah. You know, as uh, it's, but so, the way both of our minds think sometimes when either one of us are talking, we can wander, as I did with my friend Jeff Harmon. Uh, and you mentioned drink, uh, how much he drank, but how much he got done. That's the whole point. That's one of my mantras, as you know. Uh, and that is just because you're sober doesn't mean you have your shit together. Uh, yeah, six years sober. Okay, congratulations. That's nice. Do you have your shit together? It doesn't mean you have your shit together for six, six years just because you're sober. And a lot of people who drink have their shit together. And he was one of those guys that obviously you can take a look at his professional life, maybe not his personal life, but that was different. Uh, he had he was a trailblazer. He was a leader, not a follower. He just didn't follow the rules. The rest of us did. But he's one of those guys that drank a lot and had his shit together. Thanks for listening to the JT and Looney podcast. Please share it with your friends and family so they can listen to what we do and what we create every week at JT and Looney. Are you still listening?
Thank you for listening to the entire bleepin' podcast. That's really cool. At the end of every podcast, I need to remind you of our great sponsor, Bet Online. Thank you. Have a nice day. <laughs> All right. You bet. Okay. All right. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.